Chuck Schumer in his jubilance on election day said, first, we take Georgia, not we win Georgia, not we earn every vote, not that we're going to work hard in Georgia, but we're going to go take it. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody taking my freedom. You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Hi, my name is Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now. We're an organization that has over 4 million members. And we are privileged to have with us today, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator Blackburn has recently published, I know she's published other books, but her most recent book is The Mind of a Conservative Woman, Sinking the Best for Family and Country. Welcome, Senator Blackburn. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to join you and all of your viewers and talk a little bit about conservatism and how important it is right now for our nation. And we look forward to that discussion. I'd like to begin by talking about a, another election, or should I say elections, that are coming up on January 5th in the state of Georgia. There are two Senate, what they call runoffs. And why should America oh, be concerned about these elections? What are the national implications of these elections? Well, I will say at the top of the list, you can listen to what Chuck Schumer had to say about these elections, and he defined it pretty well as far as they are concerned. And it is something that the American people should be very wary of. Chuck Schumer, in his jubilance on election day, said, first, we take Georgia, not we win Georgia, not we earn every vote, not that we're going to work hard in Georgia, but we're going to go take it. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody taking my freedom. I don't want anybody taking away from Tennesseans what is there. So Chuck said, we're going to go take Georgia, and then we're going to change America. Here's what he is planning to do with his power. He is going, he says, to first of all, add justices to the Supreme Court. Well, first he's going to abolish the filibuster rule, the 60 vote rule in the Senate, because as he and AOC and Pelosi have said, they don't wanna to have to negotiate with Republicans. They just wanna go do whatever they wanna do. They don't wanna to listen to the people. They don't want to listen to anybody. So they're going to abolish that uh, 60 vote filibuster rule. Next, he says they're going to expand the Supreme Court. Now, there are some on the left that want 12, others 15 judges, justices, others want to rotate judges. Bernie wants 180 justices for the Supreme Court. So expanding the Supreme Court, then they're going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. 
So your taxes, they say, are going to go up. They say your electric bills are going to go up. Why is this going to happen? It's going to happen because they're going to begin implementing the Green New Deal, ending fracking, ending the use of natural gas, and continuing the demise of the coal industry. Then when it comes to healthcare, they're going to look at 153 million Americans that have their own insurance through their employer or through the individual market. And they're going to say, we're going to do away with private health insurance. And oh, by the way, all of you 57 million Medicare enrollees, we're shutting down Medicare and we're putting everybody with the 66 million on Medicaid and the 13 million who are in our veterans network and everybody is going to be in one government-run healthcare program. That is what they call the public option. So this, and oh, voting rights for felons. I nearly forgot about that one, but they're planning to do that as they give statehood to DC, a city that's just a mid-sized city, a half million people, they're gonna give it statehood so that it has its own two senators. They want lobbyists and the elite and the swamp to have their own two senators. And then they're also going to give statehood to Puerto Rico because they think if they add two states that have a tendency to always be blue, they're going to have a permanent majority. So that's how Chuck Schumer is planning to change America. And for him, Georgia is ground zero. And what they have running in Georgia, they have a young man who really has no work experience. He has, um, he's a trust fund socialist who has done documentaries and most recently was on the payroll of a company owned by the Chinese Communist Party. He forgot to disclose that when he filled out his disclosures and then had to go back after the primary, Democrat primary, and amend his disclosures. Then you have Reverend Warnock, who has invited Fidel Castro and had him in his church. He is called our law enforcement and our policemen thugs. He wants to defund the police. He says you cannot serve in the military and love Jesus. He says that you, um, he calls a Jeremiah Wright, one of his heroes, and we all remember Jeremiah Wright is the one who said he was hopeful God would not bless America, but that God would damn America. Well, sounds like Americans should be very concerned. Very concerned and very very. Elections. Um, yes. Just to, to cap of what you're saying, the balance of power in the Senate is at stake here. Oh yes, absolutely. These two races are the balance of power. We have 50 Republicans, 48 Democrats, and the vice president, if we come through these elections, and indeed uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris 
uh, end up winning after President Trump has exhausted all of his appeals, then the vice president would tip that. So if we're at a 50-50 tie and it's a Democrat, they control all the committees and you would have Bernie Sanders as your chairman of the Senate Budget Committee. You'll have somebody like Dick Durbin as chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, these, this is what you have to you have to watch out for. As a senator, you are noted for being very strong on national security. You yes. care deeply about the soldiers in the field. You yes. care deeply about some concepts that unfortunately are in force in the United States, like sanctuary cities. Yes. Can you comment about those two and any other national security issues that you are quite frankly a champion in speaking for common sense and what's good for this country? Well, when it comes to security, one of the things I so appreciate about President Trump is his focus on rebuilding our military and making certain that our men and women in uniform have what they need to do the job. Because all too often, we have people that give them what they think they need, not what the troops, not what the commanders in the field, what not, not what the commanding generals at our post say that the men and women in uniform need to do their job. And um, my focus is always on talking to those commanding generals, talking to those division commanders to find out what it is that the men and women and their families need in order for that soldier to do their job. So that is my focus as we work through these issues with military funding and also looking to the future. How do we fight the next war? The importance of space force, the importance of public-private partnerships in innovation with technology to make certain that we are a competitor when it comes to great power competition and that we don't let the Chinese and their buddies, the Russians and the Iranians and the North Koreans get ahead of us. On sanctuary cities, which is an internal problem, uh, can you comment on this concept that some cities, some states even, have toyed with this idea that federal law does not apply to them. Yeah, you know, um, just briefly on that, if they are going to choose to disobey federal law because they do not want to abide by immigration law, then that law enforcement funding should be stripped from these cities. It's something that I've supported uh, back when I was in the House, and I continue to support that. If you're not going to abide by the law, then why should you take taxpayer money? Makes all sense in the world. And mm -hmm. Secure America Now has been fighting sanctuary cities and sanctuary entities across this country. And if you're not gonna be part of this country, why should taxpayers pay for it? 
just makes all the sense. Um, in your book, which I mentioned in my introduction, I just want to get the title correct, so I'm going to read it. The Mind of a Conservative Woman Seeking the Best for Family and Country. Why did you write the book? Oh, I wrote the book because I would speak at different places around the country and I would hear from women who would say, you know, Marsha, um, and this was from women, whether they were in elected office or volunteers or um, as a group of young women call themselves the vast right wing conspiracy, uh, for lack of a better, a better term. Uh, or, you know, people in corporate life, they would say, you know, the media and society seem to treat conservative women differently than liberal women. And it's very true. If you do not submit to the agenda of the left, they basically say, we do not want to hear from you. If you are a free thinking, independent woman who is pro-life, pro-family, pro-religion, then they do not want to hear from you. And so I thought, I need to write a book and about how women on the right are treated by the mainstream press. And I, I would go in sometimes to speak to women's business groups and during Q&A, invariably somebody would say, you know, Marsha, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I look at the issues, I look at the candidates and then I make my mind up. So after a few years, I started saying, tell me what's important to you as your filter when you look at these issues and look at candidates. And they would say fairness, equality, justice, equal treatment under the law, respect for the rule of law, respect for the constitution, opportunity for all. I want government to stay out of my way. I don't want them running my business. I don't want them making the healthcare decisions for my family. I don't want them uh, on my factory floor. I don't want them making the educational decisions for my child. And I thought, you know what? Most women are center or center right. It's just that they're listening to all of this on TV and thinking, I have to buy into this agenda of the left, but they don't. And this country needs women who have respect for the constitution and the rule of law and believe in equality and justice and equal treatment and fairness. They need people who are going to stand up and fight for opportunity and for better days and are going to resist the left by saying, I will not submit to your stereotyping. I will not submit to your agenda what you say is the agenda for women. Your book, and I did read the book, um, does a magnificent job in both educating as to what a conservative is, yes. how one can get even deeper knowledge. You have a reading list that people yes. can dip into, and quite frankly, with your choices of books, I hope that they do. Uh, and so do I. <laughs> a bunch of them. Um, one of your favorites um, in terms of reading, and you do quote from the book extensively, extensively, you do quote from it um, repeatedly, 
is William F. Buckley's Up From Liberalism. People mm -hmm. forget, many people unfortunately don't even remember William F. Buckley, but he lived at a time when there was no conservative movement and he helped build it. And in an Up From Liberalism, he lays out what it is that Americans who instinctively feel conservative values, live conservative values, what they, what they need to do. And you mentioned Russell Kirk. Behind me on my bookcase is a memorial to Russell <laughs> Kirk, actually, um, sitting there. A brilliant mind, indeed. Oh, absolutely. His, yes. his book on American order is, is yes. the seminal work in terms of understanding our country which is being assaulted on a daily basis yes. internally. Can you pick some of the, re can you share with us some of the reasons as to why we should learn from or what we can learn from the Buckleys, the uh, Kirks, the Margaret Thatchers of the world? Yes. And Reagan, and then I add to that the uh, the former speaker, Newt Gingrich, who wrote the foreword right. for my book. And always insightful and always so articulate on what conservatives should look to as their next steps. And what I did with the book, and I think this is so important, but especially for those of us that are conservatives and particularly for women in the conservative movement, because we get beat up on every day. And, 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 but we're, you know, I say we have titanium backbones and they're not going to break us or bend us. But being able to articulate that con, uh, conservative history, going back into Jerusalem for the Judeo-Christian ethic and the 12 tribes of Israel for our foundation of federalism, uh, our philosophy that we bring from the Greeks, our love of law from the Romans, um, our form of government from Parliament in London, and then to Philadelphia with our nation's own founding documents. And then going back into the time of Burke and looking at the French Revolution, and then as you watch him write coming through that period of time, and then bring it forward with Russell Kirk and William F. Buckley and Thatcher with her autobiography, then what you begin to get is a fullness of what how conservatism has grown from those premises, that Judeo-Christian ethic, the 12 tribes of Israel, how we begin to pull together what conservatism is, how precious the founding documents are to, um, to the conservative movement and why we stand on those documents. Why we look at our judges and our justices and we want a textualist who understands and appreciates and abides by the history and the meaning and the intention of of these works so this is um something that really 
does give us the ability to say, no, this is what I believe, and this is why. And this is where I draw my strength. What I found particularly interesting about your book is that it's not a preachy book. It gives valuable information. It, in fact, informs the reader of important ideas. But it also, especially uh, its focus on conservative women, it actually gives them tips and uh, valuable instruction of what to expect when you enter the public arena, how to deal with it. And, um, and you are, of course, are an example of successfully dealing with uh, a stacked deck in some respects, especially when you get out of, uh, when you get out of the Midwest, it gets even worse. Um, but, <laughs> but, but also how important it is to engage, to bring your back. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's important as, and I talk about this in the book, it's important to know how to be gracious and how to hold your tongue at times, how to pick your fights, and then how to turn a question. Somebody asks you a question, turn the question back to them. And one of the examples I talk about life is always one of those issues that the left likes to use as a litmus test. And they will say, oh, but you can't, you can't tell a woman that she can't be in charge of her own body. Well, you're not telling a woman that. But let me ask you this. Do you think it is right that in this country there is the allowance of a procedure and 1,700 lives are lost every single day through this procedure? And the procedure is considered to be legal. And of course, the answer is no. You know, when you talk about immigration and the issues, do you think it is right that these coyotes go into villages in Central America and that they take money from these families, promising these families that their children are going to be able to go to America and then their children are going to send for them? And then the parents don't hear from the children. And all too often, they've been moved into gangs or into drug rings or into human trafficking or into labor gangs. And to me, that is modern day slavery and it needs to stop. And I am so grateful that President Trump has worked so closely with our Customs and Border Patrol and with the local governments down along the border, and they've been able to really reduce significantly the amount of illegal trafficking that is coming in this country. You know, many Americans and many members of Secure America Now feel that the forces of bad have just dominated this country. They've been allowed to destroy businesses. Most of those businesses, frankly, were minority businesses. And there is a uh, a pessimism about the future of the country. Can you address that? Do you see a bright future for this country? 
I do see a bright future for this country because people are waking up to what is going on. And when you look at the fact that 74 million Americans showed up and voted for President Trump, and he barely is behind in some of these states that are contested states, and he's going to be going to court, and I would love for us to have four more years of President Donald Trump. Uh, we know he's worked diligently for this country, whether it's getting the economy going again, or judges, or immigration, or dealing with trade. Uh, and he's done it every single day with the mainstream media, with the left, using social media to beat up on him and his family every single day, but he has persisted. And the American people are becoming so aware of this. And quite frankly, I talk to women every day who are incredibly concerned about what is going to happen to their children and with their children's future. And this is one of the reasons that you see so many people that are saying, we have to win these races in Georgia. Uh, we have to have the firewall and the Senate is the firewall. Tell me what I can do to help. And uh, we hear it every single day. We know that there are people who ended up voting for Joe Biden for one reason or another, but they are not going to vote for the Democrat candidates for Senate. Uh, they do not want that one party control. They feel like they, uh, that, you know, they've, they've heard what Chuck Schumer had to say, that he was going to take Georgia. It's not for Georgians to decide. They're going to do whatever is necessary. They're moving people in from California and New York and all these places. And you've got uh, the organization led by Stacey Abrams, who is saying they have 900,000 votes that they have uh, pulled together. And uh, people are going, hey, wait a minute. You know, that's not how we prefer to have our elections handled. They want the integrity of the system to prevail. And so I think that every single day you're seeing people say, we want our country to focus on first principles. We value the Constitution. We value our freedoms. We do not want people changing our country. I could not have said that better. Um, you, by example, are a role model um, for conservative women and for conservative men. And um, I want to urge people, and we will, as we market this conversation, um, we will also market your book. And um, I think that people, uh, men and women, will definitely benefit by reading your book, The Mind of a Conservative Woman. And I do thank you for coming here, but I'd like to ask you one question slightly off topic, which is uh, doing research on your record. Uh, I came across that your husband is the founder of a bow tie, international 
bow tie society. While I don't That's wear right. bow ties, I do appreciate uh, the um, breaking, I guess, a uh, the normal way of wearing ties. And um, what prompted him to do that? Well, he enjoys wearing bow ties. And it started kind of as a, a little bit of a, a joke with him. And then he thought, you know what, this is a great idea. And then he wrote a book, The Bowtie Bible, about how to actually tie and wear bow ties and a little bit about the history of bow ties. It's really a tongue-in-cheek fun sort of book that has a lot of good information in it. And then because some people would say, you know, really fine bow ties are difficult to find. So he has begun, begun manufacturing some bow ties, but it started as a hobby and it's something that he thoroughly enjoys. Well, um, more power to him, more power to you. I thank you for spending the time with us. And I look forward to being in touch with you in the future. And I extend an open invitation anytime you would like to share your thoughts with the American people. Uh, please contact us. We'd love to have you on again. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It is absolutely delightful to join you. And you all keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube.